I don't want to talk about it. Guys, if ever you're in a relationship and she says that, first off, she wants to talk about it. Second off, if ever you're in a relationship and you ask her, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. What that actually means is everything. But can I tell you, um, tonight, uh, I'm bringing you this message with a sense of heaviness and a bit of a burden on my heart. Once in a while, there's a message that you just feel like, as a preacher, as an orator, as a communicator of the gospel, that, that it would be sin not to give this message. And that's tonight's message. If you have a notebook, pull out your notebook. Get ready to take some notes. If you don't, do me a favor. Open your notes up. This is, I've been saying for the past few days, this is quite possibly the most important message I've preached in the past couple of years. So, be ready to take some notes. You guys on board with me? You good? I'm going to kick off this message by saying, hey, I love you. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and just move this because this is going to annoy me all day long. I'm going to take this and put it on. Levi, love you, bro. It's going right on your stand. I've been looking at that the whole time. Now I'm going to preach good because the front's all nice. So, I love you. Okay, now that we're all on the same page here. Let me give you, um, this is, I don't want to talk about it week one. Here's what we're going to talk about. They say, uh, if, uh, as a preacher, you want people to come back to your church, don't talk about politics, culture, hell, or sin. And in this series, we're probably going to talk about all of those things. <laughs> and tonight, we're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about, not specifics, but politics, and what's going on in the world, movements. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And Let me give you your sermon in a sentence. This is the whole sermon in one sentence. If you forget everything else, don't forget this. Walk away with this right here. What we believe should never, somebody say never. Come on, say never. What we believe should never be based on the voices of culture, but founded in the Word of God. I'm going to say that one more time. It'll be on the screens for those of you taking notes. What we believe should never be based on the voices of culture, but founded in the Word of God. Can I tell you tonight, the world does not have my heart. God does. Can I tell you that culture does not have my allegiance. God does. There is not a single... Movement, politic, political party, or trend that has my loyalty. God has my loyalty. And as people of faith and believers and Christians, if you're somebody who, who, who calls themselves a Christian, God has our loyalty. No person, no movement, nothing else. So many people... You know, there's so many that, that follow people's demands, and, and, and it's about time that as the people of God, we begin to get back to His commands. Amen? So why this message, when so many people already are probably going, Ugh, I brought, this is the week I brought a new friend. I don't want to talk about this. That's why. Because for so many of us, we don't want to talk about this. We don't want to go there, and we need to. So why this message? Here's why. Because lately I've been seeing so many young people embracing completely ungodly and unbiblical values and worldviews. They're embracing things that is completely contrary to God's word and God's character. 
So many young people are out there, and I'm not talking about just young people who don't believe in God. I'm talking about young people, many of which that I've seen post stuff on social media that come that are completely the things are completely unbiblical. They're completely ungodly, and yet these are these are young people who profess Jesus as their Savior, and they come from good, godly Christian households. And as a youth pastor, I take a sorry as a next gen pastor, I take a step back and I go, how in the world have they embraced this value, this worldview, this thing? How are they backing this movement or this whatever? And I, I can't seem to come up with many of the answers, but tonight we're going to look at Scripture and see what it is that God has to say about this and see what happened with some young men in Daniel chapter 3. Because it seems like so many are embracing things just because they've been told what's the loving thing. What's the right thing? Well, you have to. Or this is the cool thing. Or if you don't, then everybody would think you're this. And so without ever consulting God or His Word, they embrace this thing. And like just another clone in the army, Star Wars reference, they just begin to march in the same direction as everybody else and bow down to things that are not of God. And so it was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three guys that we're going to talk about tonight from the days of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3. So we've got about Daniel chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. If you need more time, say hold up. If you're using the Sky Bible, either way, say I'm good. Alright, but Daniel Daniel chapter 3, verse number 1, we're going to go all the way to verse number 7 tonight. This is maybe more important than any other week that we've done this because of what we're going to be talking about. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word all over this place? We will die so that we can have God's word, and I think that we should honor it. Alright, seven verses. Here it goes. Before before I... uh, before I get into this, um, any, any Matrix fans? Anybody like that? The new Matrix movie was terrible, so bad. Uh, but if you've ever wondered where the shift from the Matrix, oh gosh, I'm like, I'm wearing an anime shirt and I'm talking about the Matrix, a ship called Nebuchadnezzar. I'm nerdy, I'm sorry, you guys. Like, half the people have checked out, but there was a young girl during family time that said, forget the family time question, I love your shirt, and that was Cowboy Bebop in the pre-service video, and I was like, you're my favorite in the whole world, this is so awesome. If you don't watch anime, I don't trust you. That's that. Genesis <laughs> chapter 3, verse number 1. King Nebuchadnezzar the guy who Morpheus named his ship after, uh, made the gold statue 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide and set it up in, uh, on the plain of Dera in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial... That's so hard for a guy who grew up with a speech impediment to say. And all the provincial officials to come... To, everybody say provincial officials. Provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Verse number three. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, This is where things get dicey. People of all races and nations, nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow 
to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone, somebody say anyone, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed. All the people, they bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But there are three guys who did it. Three guys hit him with the Randy Jackson said it's going to be a no for me, dog. Because they were God-fearing young men. Those men were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to dig into their story tonight. Please sit down. Let's pray. God, you're so good. Now get me out of your way. You speak. Come do what only you can do. God, I pray every single heart in this room would be open. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, help your team, the Las Vegas Raiders, to get ready for next season to win the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Hey, where's all the Carolina Panther fans at tonight? Baker Mayfield, God bless you. God bless. Hey, um, totally not humble question. Have you ever had a situation, moment, circumstance where you thought to yourself, "I am obviously better at something than this person"? You're like very uh, like whatever it might be—a sport, uh, video games, Bible trivia. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> One time I was doing, we were doing this Bible trivia thing with some, with some kids. We were at the Den's house, the, the lady who was playing, the lady, my friend who was playing drums, Laura, at their house, and a handful of little boys were playing basketball, and then we were doing Bible trivia to figure out, I don't know, what we were trying to solve. And I told the kids, I was like, okay, you know, whoever knows the answer, just shout it out. And I was like, who did Jesus raise from the dead? And one of the kids goes, ludicrous. And I was like, Lazarus. <laughs> like the other two was like, it's Lazarus. I'm obviously better than you at Bible trivia. Um, my beautiful, amazing, phenomenal, insanely talented, extraordinarily administrative, amazing, 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 amazing wife, Amber, of nearly 13 years, is better than me at so, so, so many things. It's ridiculous how many things she's better than me at. But, survival is not one of those things. This is why if the zombie apocalypse hits, like, she will be looking straight to me on what to do. I have photo evidence of this and how I am definitely more of a survivor than she is. I think, Caleb, you got that? Throw that bad boy up. Where's my beautiful bride? As I nearly lost her, as we kayaked through a Hawaiian river. So we were kayaking through this Hawaiian river, and, and the waters got semi-treacherous, right? And this is a moment that my, my beautiful bride, you can leave that up for me just for, for, a few, for a few moments. My beautiful bride almost sunk to the depths. Nearly, I almost lost her. We lost her phone earlier that day. That's not a lie. She's literally, I hear, I hear this. Oh my gosh, I just dropped my phone. I threw the oar into the water. I turned around and said, what? She's like, I just dropped my phone. And we just see it. And that phone is still at the bottom of that Hawaiian river. Um, and my wife was almost also at the bottom of that Hawaiian river. And so we're on our way back from our adventure, our, our odyssey, if you will, and 
Um, the one thing, if you ever, anyone ever been kayaking, you've ever been out on a kayak, there's like one thing you don't want to do on a kayak, which is go sideways. So as we're going, we're trying to keep the thing straight. There were so many times, this was the worst hour in Hawaii. Like, we hadn't argued this much in years. I literally told her at one point, put your paddle away, I'll handle it from here. <laughs> uh, about that time, the kayak turned sideways, um, and we tipped over. And this was, uh, I had a GoPro, um, I had a GoPro on my hat, and I had a time lapse on, and this is such terrible quality because this is a screenshot of the time lapse at the end of the video as the kayak flipped. And I know what you're probably thinking, Corey, as the kayak flipped and your wife is sinking to the depths of this river, how is it that you've got this perfect shot of the whole thing? Here's why. The water she's sinking from the depths to is ankle deep. So as the kayak tipped over, you know what I did? Just stood up. You know what she did? She held on to the dear life. She just went in. It's like, no. I had like four other pictures I was going to show you. She's like, please, for the love of God, do not show me those pictures. This was the picture that she approved as she was sinking to the depths of this whole <laughs> so she held on to that. She was like Jack and Rose from Titanic in the closing scene as the ship's sinking, and they're like, as long as we can stay on this. She just held it. <laughs> she took over. Bro, was better than me a lot of things. Survival's not one of them. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's thoughts are greater than my thoughts. God's thoughts are great. My survival skills, greater than Amber's. God's thoughts are greater than my thoughts and your thoughts. I heard, I, um, I heard a preacher say this recently, and I wrote it down verbatim. I quote, One of the most destructive practices of your generation is that you value your own thoughts way too much. When God says my thoughts are not the same as yours, and you want to look inside and tell everyone else what you've been thinking and what you've been feeling, rather than opening up the word of God and saying these truths are way beyond mine. Francis Chan said that. I love the way that Isaiah 55 says this, the verse that he referenced in that quote. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it says, God is talking, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. Verse 9, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you're, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. One of the most destructive practices of our generation is that we value our thoughts way too much. One of the most destructive practices of our generation is that we value our feelings and our opinions way too much. This is why when people say things like, well, you need to just go sit alone with your thoughts. No! Because you have to say, No! Sitting alone with your thoughts is just about one of the most destructive things that you could possibly ever do. Especially when we have God's thoughts regularly available to us. Like, like you don't want to know what I have to say or what I think. 
not when God's words are available. That's why as a communicator of the gospel, what it is that I always strive for, what I fight for, what I battle for, is not to get up on a platform in front of a couple lights with a microphone and begin to share my opinion or my thoughts. No, I try with everything in me to communicate the truths of God's word, his thoughts. Why? Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. How much higher? The way the, the biblical writer Isaiah writes it, he says, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Now, this isn't talking about heaven, the place we'll go after we pass on from this place. No, he's talking about space, the stars. In the Old Testament, in the olden days, they often referred to the stars and space as the heavens. And you know how high the heavens are? Nobody does. That's why we call it the known universe. It's so far, and it's so high, and it's so vast that we cannot even begin to measure it. And so it is, God's thoughts above ours. We need to stop valuing our thoughts so much, especially because we have access to God's thoughts. I wrote this down maybe about a year and a half ago. And I've been saying it a lot ever since. The enemy wants you to care so much about your thoughts and feelings that you will willingly deny the truth in service of them. Why? Because your thoughts and feelings are easy to manipulate. But the truth, not so much. I'll say that one more time. The enemy wants you to care so much about your thoughts and feelings that you will willingly deny the truth in service of them. Why? Because your thoughts and feelings are easy to manipulate but the truth, not so much. And I know, I know what a lot of people are thinking right now. Ah, I don't want to talk about this. That's exactly why we need to talk about this. Oh, give us just another new faith message, Corey. Not when this is so pertinent and so necessary. And see, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's day, apparently everybody, somebody say Everybody? I like how however I say it is how you say it. So if I say, somebody say everybody? Or if I say everybody? It's one of my favorite things as a preacher. That and seeing people get saved. Everybody thought it was a good idea to bow down. Isn't that crazy? Like seemingly, the best we can tell from the biblical text, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the only ones in all of Babylon that were like, yeah, it's going to be a no for me, dog. And everybody else thought it was a good idea to bow down. So newsflash, just because everybody else thinks something is a good idea doesn't make it a good idea. Just because everybody else is heading in a direction doesn't mean you should head in that direction. Just because the vast majority of people are posting this on social media doesn't make it true or right. And everybody thought this. This is why it's so important to not overvalue our own thoughts, but rather put value on God's thoughts. And this was wild. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's day. When was it? Do you guys remember as we, as we read the story? When was it that they were supposed to bow down? <laughs> That's like the closest thing I can do to like a trumpet. <laughs> you know for a fact you guys all want to try it. On the count of three. One, two, three. Sound like a gigantic duck dying. What was that? Every single time the music began playing, 
the people began bowing. Some of some things never change. The moment that bands start performing and they say, also, now that we're in between these songs, blah, 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 and the crowd goes wild? Well, I've been at some shows where the vocalists will say the stupidest things ever, but just because they're kind of cute, got a little bit of talent, and they're on a stage, holy moly, let's go with whatever that guy says. It's like, man, when I was a kid, my father never taught me to tie shoes. That's why I wear slip-ons. If you have laces, you hate me. And the crowd's like, yes! Like, you're an idiot. That's so dumb. It's crazy how some things never change. And the moment that the musicians start saying something, everybody just bows and falls in line. The moment that the actors begin acting, and then they get on a platform to receive an award, and they start trying to tell all of the rest of society how it is that they should live their life and what they should support and what they should believe. That everybody's like, I guess that's what I should support and that's what I should believe. Isn't it crazy that the moment that the influencers start streaming and posting that so many people have their eyes... And it's hilarious. This is even in my notes. Isn't it funny how we call people with a lot of followers influencers? This, you don't have influence. You have eyes. There's a difference between influence and attention. Anybody can get attention if they just take off enough clothes and begin dancing. That's not influence. That's just attention. But as soon as they start posting, they say, well, this is what you should believe, and this is what you support, and this is what you should follow. So many people go, well, I guess this is what I should believe, and this is what I should support, and this is what I should follow. And that's how it was in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. But these three boys said, nope. And I just think... Now, young people in this generation need to start having a little bit of that nope attitude. That when all these type of people begin to tell you that you have to believe this, you need to value this, you have to support this, you better post this, that we just go, no. Because it doesn't line up with God's word. We need to stop valuing our own thoughts and opinions so much and value God's thoughts because they are so much higher than ours. And guess what? Their truth. All right, our second point tonight. Write this. Write this down. Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Let me ask you a question that I want you to strongly consider. Rhetorical. You don't have to answer this. Not right now. But in your own heart, in your notes, in your own moments later on, how do you decide whether you're for something or not? As a young person. How do you decide whether you support something or not? How do you decide whether you believe in something or not? How do you decide whether something is right or wrong? Because too many young people are simply listening to who's the loudest, not who's right. Or even worse, too many are embracing that which they've just heard most often. And like in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's day, everybody was saying, bow down. What was done most often was not that which was right. They were the only ones not bowing down. Why? Because they had what it is that helped them decide that it wasn't right to bow. They had what was called the Ten Commandments. One of which, likely God's, God's favorite, was, don't worship any other gods. 
So then, boom, they have, right away, their yes or no, don't worship any other gods, and they go, and then King Nebuchadnezzar goes around and goes, hey, worship this other god. And they're like, I've heard this somewhere. Oh, yeah, God told us not to worship any other gods. Okay, so, yeah, no. He Nebuchadnezzar's like, but I told you to. And they're like, but God told us not to. So it's going to be a no. How do you decide whether you back something or not, whether you're for something or not? If you've ever had the um, privilege of hearing Pastor Zach, one of our pastors here at the church, preach, then, then you are missing out. You haven't lived. He'll actually likely be preaching this Sunday. So if you, when we come Sunday, pop into first service, listen to him preach, and then jump into connectors with us. But a few weeks ago, he, as I knew that I'd be preaching this message tonight, I wrote this down. He said this in a message just a few weeks ago. He said, too many just go and find voices that tell them what they want to hear based on the worldview that they already have instead of allowing the Word of God to form their worldview. And so many people do that. I already have my opinion. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my opinion and I'm going to go try to back it with God's Word. You know God's Word was never meant to be read like that? See, this is what I believe, and now I'm going to go to God's Word and find something that will back what I believe. That's not how God's Word is supposed to be read. You know how it's supposed to be read? I'm a complete blank slate. And God, your word is going to form my values and my worldviews. And this will be truth. This will be what I lean on. This will be what I look to. Whenever I have a question, I'm not turning to Google first. I'm turning to your word first. I want to give you a sort of brutal truth of Christianity. Because there's so many beauties to what it is that we believe. I mean, what it is that we believe is that at the end of our lives, we go to paradise forever. And in that paradise, babe, the kayaks don't flip. Right? It's just smooth sailing the whole time. Like, that's so dope. That's so, and there's so many amazing things about our faith. You want to know one kind of brutally honest thing about our faith? It's that when we take our lives and we lay it at the feet of Jesus, we also lay our opinions at the feet of Jesus. I don't want to talk about this. We surrender our rights to our opinions. And, and we don't walk around going, well, you know, in my opinion, you know those people who are talking about something and go, well, in my opinion, well, oh, you want to talk about that? Well, let me tell you, in my opinion. And sometimes I just want to be like, hey, with all due respect, I'd love to have conversation with you, but I don't really put too much value on your opinion. And that's no disrespect, because I actually don't put too much value on my own opinion either. And here's one of the most important things you'll maybe ever hear me say. When my opinion and God's word differ, I'm wrong. And can I tell you, as your pastor, there has been times that I read Scripture and there's things that I come in conflict with. See, when I say you surrender your right to an opinion, that's not to say that you aren't allowed to have opinions. And, and there will absolutely be times in your life where you struggle with some things that you're like, I, I, I kind of value this and I hope this to be true. And now I'm reading something else in God, your word. And I'm wrestling with this, God. That's totally okay. But at the end of the day, God's word is right. 
and my opinion is wrong if the two differ. See, God, here's one of the craziest things about God. God does not negotiate. And I know that's like, like a tougher part of like the gospel to preach. But I'm committed as your pastor to not just preach the easy things of the Bible or the easy things of faith, but to have the tough conversations too. Because someone who really loves you has the tough, the tough conversations. And in the first century, when Jesus began to build his following, he did not go to people and go, Hey, um... Anyone who wants to be my disciples, come follow me. And as he started walking, some person said, Well, Jesus, I'll follow you if, if and only if, I can bring my cat. And Jesus is like, Heck no, baby, leave that cat at home as a demon. Both of y'all ain't making it to heaven. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you, but only, only if on Fridays I can, you know, have the night off. And never once did Jesus stop and go, oh, let's negotiate. <laughs> I mean, like, I created the whole universe, you know? Scripture says that it was in, through, and by me that all things were created. But totally, let's meet in the middle. God doesn't negotiate. God doesn't say, like, oh, yeah, totally, like, well, you think that, and I think this, well, you know, you have your truth, and I have my truth. No, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you want to come after me, come follow me. And he just starts walking. And then people had the choice whether to follow him or not. And there was no compromising, and there was no negotiating. When my opinion differs from that of God's word, I'm wrong. Because otherwise, I'm over here saying, God, you know, of the universe omniscient, omnipresent God, you know everything, you're everywhere all at once. You know, God, the one that when you open your mouth, you create galaxies in the universe. God, I think I'm right about this one. Like, how, how foolish is that? And yet I see so many young people who do just that when they embrace the things of the world that are contrary to God's nature, God's character, and God's word. Without ever consulting God or going to God about what's right, what's wrong, do I, don't I. What they do is they just embrace these things. They wrap their heart around it so much so that they even begin to wrap their identity around it. And they start saying things like, well, I'm pro blah, blah, blah. And I, well, I'm pro this. Well, I'm on this side of the political spectrum. Well, I'm on this side of the... So I'm right. And um, can I tell you, there ain't no side of any political spectrum that has my loyalty and my allegiance. God has my loyalty. God has my allegiance. And I'm not going to bow to anything else. But there's so many young people who are like, well, I am a part of this movement. Well, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm a part of God's family. And that's not to say that there will never be movements that come along that are, are godly, that are biblical, and that deserve the church and God's people's backing. I'm not saying that. I'm, those, those will come around. But what I'm saying is how do you figure out what you support and what you don't support, what you're about and what you're not about, what you're for and what you're not for? I'm just saying, for me, I am not for anything that God's against. 
And I am not for, I am not for anything that God's against. I'm not against anything that God's for. And ultimately, even if something is like, oh my gosh, my heart breaks for this, but what it is that they're pushing, and what it is that they believe in, and what it is that they're trying to advance, is so ungodly. And it's so unbiblical. Uh, my heart might bleed for you, but I cannot get behind it. Because my heart is behind this. My heart belongs to the Word of God. How do you figure out what's right and what's wrong? This is one of the most terrifying verses in all of Scripture. Write this verse down. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, 3. The biblical writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Another version says, there's a time coming where people will no longer listen to sound doctrine. What will they, they do then? They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Don't be that person. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be that guy. <laughs> Let me ask you the last thing on this kind of this point, the second point, right or wrong. What's your anchor? See, we all have an anchor. What does an anchor do? When, when a ship or a boat gets out to sea and they need to stay in one specific spot without drifting too far, they throw overboard an anchor. And for so many young people, our anchor is whatever's cool, whatever's trending. For so many young people, their anchor, the thing that ties them down and their foundation, is whatever the latest social justice battle is. And that's what they're going to get behind. Hear what I'm saying? Not what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there will never be any social justice battles that we as a church and the people of God need to get behind. What I'm saying is, what is your anchor? For some, their anchor is whatever the heck their friends are doing and wherever they're going and whatever they believe. Because God forbid I stand out in a crowd of people. For so many, whatever their anchor is, is sadly whatever they are seeing on social media the most. It's so crazy. You know, you know um, people who study social media, they say that once you've seen something seven times, you will instinctually apply value to it. This is why they put ads in front of you so many times. You ever been on YouTube and you're like, why have I seen this ad so many times? This is so annoying. I've like committed to like, if there's a YouTube ad that doesn't allow you to skip the ad, I commit to never buying that thing. I'm like, I will never buy toilet paper. <laughs> I refuse, you know. Uh, but like, you will instinctually apply value to the And so for some, their anchor is whatever they've been seeing on social media the most. And instinctually, they're like, oh, well, that's what's true and that's what's right. What does an anchor do? An anchor grounds you and doesn't allow you to drift off too far. People of God, this is our anchor. God's Word which is unchanging and unfallible. 66 books, of, like, 
penned by so many different authors. It doesn't have a single contradiction that gives us the truth of that. One time, uh, uh, Jesus asked one of his followers, Peter, as a bunch of people were abandoning Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and said, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter looked at Jesus and said, where will I go? For you have the words of life. This is the words of life, young people. This is our anchor that doesn't let us drift off too far. This is our moral standard. This is where we get our worldview. This is where we get. This is my compass. This is my true north. This is my anchor. And I urge you, young people, I urge you, do not stray from it. This is how we figure out what we believe. This is how we figure out what we support and what we back. This is how we figure out what's right and what's wrong. As the band heads up and we begin to close things down, my last point is this. Never bow down. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 14 to 18. King Nebuchadnezzar finds out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they wouldn't bow down. Here's the craziest thing. These boys were like working in the palace, and Nebuchadnezzar, these were the last guys that he wanted to, to, to throw in a fiery furnace because they were helping. They were like killing it in the palace. They were backing the king and helping him in so many ways. Verse number 14. Check this out. Nebuchadnezzar said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then, listen to this, then what god will be able to rescue you from my power? Just like Nebuchadnezzar, can I tell you, world, culture, society, the mobs, they will absolutely try to intimidate you out of following God. They will absolutely try to scare you in to bowing down. Never bow down. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Like, this isn't in my notes. I just feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us in this moment. Why do we feel like we need to defend God all the time? Where people come to us and they're like, well, you this, and you that, and blah, 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 and Christianity is this, and the church is that, and blah, 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 blah. And we're like, no, because I don't know that. And before we know it, we're like a crazy aunt on Facebook just going wild and wild. Like, no, like, I swear, God is cool, man. Like, no, it's all right. Jesus is rad. Like, chill. Like, no, no. And then, like, people are all, like, mad at us for stuff, and we feel like we need to defend ourselves. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. to this king who has the power to kill him. I don't have to defend myself to you. I just don't. You know what Jesus is called in Scripture? He's called the Lion to the tribe of Judah. Imagine there were people like, imagine this drum cage was a cage, and there were, instead of Laura in there, it was a lion. And imagine there's all these people like poking like at the lion and throwing stuff at it, and the poor lion's like defenseless inside the cage and all this. Like, what would be the better option for the lion? We're like, she'd be like, back up! I'm going to fight all of you! You know, or like just open the cage and let the lion defend itself. 
lion doesn't need you to defend it. In so many ways, can I tell you, you can just have a relaxed, holy confidence when people want to come at you as a person of faith. You're like, oh, hey, I love you. God loves you. I don't need to defend myself to you. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith in their attitude. We don't have to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18. This is huge. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, somebody say never, we will never serve your gods or worship the great statue that you set up. We will never bow down to your fake and false gods. We're not going to do it. And if it costs me my life, guess what? I get to go and see the God that I just stood up for, and I get to live in paradise forever with Him. Never bow down. Never bow down. I've shouted out Meshach and Abednego. Stand in the face of all those cultural norms that go against God's word because there's not a single cultural norm that you need to bow down to. Random verse thrown in here that's so applicable to why we don't bow down. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. It says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In the, in the extremely famous words of a great theologian, I fear God, though. I saw this video of, of these two football players doing practice on the same team, and they're going at each other. They're fighting. They're going wild. One of them's a rookie. One of them's not really a veteran, but like in his prime and has the whole team's respect. And this veteran dude rips the helmet off of the other guy, and he goes, you know who I am? Do you know who I am? You better, you better bow down. You better chill out. And the rookie kid goes, I'm not scared of you. I fear God, bro. And I was like, that's so funny. And I was like, wait, that's so wisdom. Like when anybody comes and tries to make you bow down, because guess what? Who cares you? I fear God. I'm not afraid of you. One day I'm going to stand before God. I fear him not in the way of that I'm afraid of him, but because I have so much reverence for him. And I know that he is so tough that what I do and say, I want to be honoring to God and everybody else. Everybody else can say. Why do we bow? Because we are reverent to God. We don't bow to anybody else because we're reverent to God. So we bow to God. And guess what? One day, everybody else will too. The scripture says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Corey, why? Why this message? Why preach this? Why deliver this, this, this tough message? Because some of you are leaving to universities in a couple weeks, and it terrifies me what some of those faces and places are going to be shoving down your throat. 
Because just about every single person in this room and just about everybody watching online is going to end their night like this. Give me a chance to turn on your face in the middle of the night. You're like, you're the only one there, but you're still embarrassed. You're like looking around like, did anybody see that? Yes, God saw it. He's laughing at you. Him and all the angels are like, look at this dude. But the fact that all of us are going to end our night with our eyes glued to a rectangle that, that contains so much ungodliness, so many things that go against God's word, and so many of you are going away to universities and spaces and places that are going to tell you over and over and over again, bow down. Bow down to our values. Bow down to our worldview. Bow down to our cultural norms. Bow down to what it is that we believe. And for some, you'll, you'll do that not because you're, like, going against God, but because you just think, like, well, I don't know, like, it kind of sounds right. It's, it sort of seems like the loving thing without ever going to God and His Word. I think God will you think about this. God will you say about this. That's why this message. I pray that tonight that you choose to only bow to God and no one and nothing else ever again. So what we believe should never be based on the voices of culture that's founded in the Word of God. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray in this place that hearts would choose to bow to you right now in this moment. To nothing and no one else. God, I pray that there's any young people who have been bowing to other things. And I pray that right now their heart would be turned towards you. I pray that even those who have their lives in their hearts bow to the things of the world and relationships or whatever, and they're even seeing those things fail already. If their hearts would turn to you right now, Jesus, soften every heart in this place. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this place, and maybe you would say, Corey, that's me, I no longer want to bow my knee to the things of this world. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, right now, I'm going to ask you to respond in a really simple way. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand and then you can put it right back down. Why, why should I respond like that? Because I just believe when we respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts, in our lives, and in our souls. So if that's you, every head bow, every eye closed, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to make you want to make God the author of your life. You want to hand him the pen of your life and say, God, you write the most chapters. If that's you, when I get to three, lift your hands. Every head bow, every eye closed. One, two, three, go. All of this. And so many hands. That's Put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray because we begin this journey with words that we say with our mouth that we believe in our hearts. So as you repeat these really simple words right after me, if you just raise your hand, don't worry. You're not going to be praying alone. We're a family here at Bridge Youth and we pray together. Repeat these words right after me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. No turning back. 
and no looking back. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Amen. That's the best decision you could ever make with your life. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. So we want to get you a free gift that we call the next seven days. If you just raise your hand, you just prayed that prayer, the next seven days of your faith journey is incredibly important. And we feel like it's our responsibility to help you walk it out. So we want to get you these seven videos that will help answer some questions you have and, and, and maybe just kickstart you on your faith journey. You can get them by just going to our Instagram, at bridge, YTH underscore, DMS the words next seven, and we'll handle the rest. We'll get you connected with the leader. If you don't have Instagram, come chat with us. Come talk to one of the leaders. We'll find another way to get you these videos. Hey, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family? Hey, before you head to the front, there's a really specific way in which I wanted to end this, this service this night. First off, um, there's something really unique about our faith as Christians. We're quite literally the only faith group on the planet that has what's called diversity of thought. That means there's this sort of overarching thing that we believe. I mean, you actually sang it earlier. It's called the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God's three in one. And then it goes on to say a handful of other things that just about every Judeo-Christian faith group believes. And within that, there's some diversity of thought. So before we move on to the last portion of the night, I just want to say, if you might see certain things different, we're still family. I'm Hawaiian, so I say Ohana. I don't. But I want to start saying Ohana because I'm Hawaiian and I met some of my family. That's on the Hawaiian side, and they say Ohana. So we're still Ohana, even if we disagree with some of And that's such a beautiful thing about our faith. But I kept thinking about this. Deception is a funny thing. Deception is a funny thing in that deception is only deception if you don't know you're being deceived. Right? Like the moment that you realize you're being deceived, it's no longer deception. It's like the National Geographic or Animal Planet special that you watch when you see the lion going through the grass, and then there's the antelope, and you're like, oh God, no. Antelope. There's a lion right there. And then the antelope is like chewing on the grass, and it looks over, and it sees the grass over here move a little bit. And then the antelope, I don't know what the heck the antelope thinks, but I... I'd like to imagine it thinks like, huh, it's probably just the wind blowing the grass. But the moment that the antelope realizes it's not the wind, there's a lion in there prowling, getting ready to attack, the antelope runs. See, deception is only deception until you realize you're being deceived. And deception only works if you don't realize you're being deceived. So, young person, is it possible that you've been deceived? Is it possible that you've been deceived into embracing something that is totally unbiblical and ungodly? 
it's impossible that somebody can convince you that this is loving and this is right and this is what we all believe so you should believe it too and all of a sudden you find yourself in a moment like this like why did I ever start why ever why did I ever start embracing that why why did I make that one of my values why did I embrace that worldview why did I start wrapping my identity around this thing and saying things like well I'm pro this or I'm pro that or I'm blah 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 why did I ever start doing that and maybe right now in this moment you're realizing I never wrote a scripture about that I never I never asked God what he thought about that. I never prayed about that. I never searched the scriptures about it. I never asked my connected leader about that. I never talked to my pastors about it. I never went to God's word and studied this incredibly important thing. I just got behind it, not even really thinking too much about it. Is it possible that you've been deceived? Well, I'm going to tell you, you can change your mind. There's some things that you should change your mind. I know the world will tell you, no, you can't ever change your mind about something because then you have to admit that you're wrong. Well, yeah, then that takes humility. And if you come to God with anything, you have to come to Him with humility. It's amazing how the world is strutting around with all this pride about everything that they're in. It's like, well, Scripture talks about how horribly sinful pride is. That pride comes before the fall. Satan's sin was that he was so proud that he rose up against God. And then we're going to be so proud that we won't ever admit that we were wrong about something? Is it possible that you did? Before we pray, uh, Amber and I were, were having um, a conversation over Instagram with the young person. In the middle of the conversation about some pretty, um, pretty intense topics, uh, they had said, hey, I'm really, really sorry for the fact that I don't have all of this figured out, but I'm still trying to discover what it is that I believe about this. It's so wild that you live in a world, young people, that you at 13 have to have it all figured out that people apologize for not having it all figured out, for answering, for asking questions. So here's how I want to end tonight. We're going to worship in just a moment. But first, I think that we should just pray. And I'm not going to elaborate on any, any of the, that question of, have I been deceived? What we're going to do is just let the Holy Spirit speak to us. As we ask God, have I embraced anything? Have I, have I began to back anything? Have I began to adopt the worldview or values that are contrary to your word? Because if so, God, would you reveal those things to me? Because God, I'm for what you're for. I'm against what you're against, and I believe what your word says. So right there in your seat, would you do me a favor? In a posture of humility, would you just bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you're willing, would you just put your two hands right out in front of you like you're receiving something from God? And then lead you in this simple prayer. I pray your heart would be open. God, God, have I been deceived? God, have I embraced anything that I shouldn't? 
and have I wrapped my heart around something that is contrary to your word? God, have I adopted world views or values that are not from you? If so, God, show us those things right now. And give them to us right now. Pray like the psalmist prayed. Search me, O God. Create in me a clean heart. There's anything in me contrary to your way. And would you reveal that to me? Because God, we love you. God, we know this that your thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. Your ways are so much higher than our ways. What's, what's my opinion compared to your endless, vast knowledge? We're all knowing. We're all sufficient. We're the Alpha in the beginning. We're the Alpha in the middle. You're the beginning of God. You don't even know what There's nothing that you don't know. God will turn to you. And so you're going to be our compass. God, would you be my true north? Would you be our anchor? God, I pray in Jesus' name that every single young person in this room would commit themselves right now and never bow to the things the world and culture says they have to bow to. God, I pray in Jesus' name that they would make your word their anchor. That they would not stray from it.